You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. 48. What's coming? Daniel in trouble. Just lets it fly. Going deep for Gabriel. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always, way far away in Jamaica, is the Cranky Fan. Yeah, man. How's it going, man? <laughs> there you go. That's the awful impression. Yes, I am continuing the Cranky Fan Rest and Rehabilitation Tour from Ocho Rios, Jamaica. It's been a... Uh... Very relaxing. I'm feeling a thousand percent better. So just in time to come back next weekend to see the Giants and make my heart aggravated again. But for right now, I'm feeling fantastic. So thank you for everybody who has tweeted at me and sent me messages hoping I'm getting better. I am getting a lot better. So thank you, everybody. And I'm I'm broadcasting from Grump headquarters in uh, balmy Morris County, New Jersey. So you, know, you guys can all be jealous of me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I may not be in the islands, but I do have a glass of Telemordu on the rocks in my hand. So that's kind of like being on vacation. I've been crushing, uh, oh, you name it, whatever. I've had more daiquiris and more red stripes and more, uh, more spiced rum than you know what to do with. I'm feeling really nice right now. I only know how to do one thing with that. <laughs> and we're going to need a lot of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're Giant fans. Yeah, that's we that's right. <clears throat> so Sunday at 1 o'clock in uh, blistering Soldier Field in Chicago, Illinois, the Giants will take on the 4-6 and six Bears. Um, would you have guessed at this point in the year that the Bears would be 4-6? and six? Yes, because I am not a big Mitchell Trubisky fan, and I think this is the type of team that needs a good quarterback to be successful. They have a lot of pieces that, you know, they have a, you know, on paper, a really good defense, but without a quarterback, this team's going nowhere. And that's, I think, that's what you see right now with them. I think the Bears' current roster is exactly what happens when you say, draft a quarterback round one. We need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Sorry, there was no quarterback that year. But I know. Let's take a guy that nobody really likes and just draft him for that because we want a quarterback, like you said. I mean, this really is a franchise for the last 60 years has not had a good quarterback. I mean, if you go back in, in the history of the Chicago Bears. I can't believe I'm hearing a Gator say anything about uh, – wasn't Rex Grossman on the Bears? Rex Grossman took them to a Super Bowl, but he was not a good NFL quarterback. He was come in, on. Your argument, was, your argument for Tim Tebow is that he won a playoff game. Right, but I'm, I'm saying I never said Tim Tebow is a great NFL quarterback. My argument is that he sh- should not have never played in the NFL again after winning a playoff game. He never got another chance. Neither of them, I don't think, are very good NFL quarterbacks. But my point being was that you know. Go back to Sid Luckman. They have not had really a franchise. Like, who's the best quarterback in Bears history? Um, Jim, Jim McMahon. And yeah, I was going to say McMahon, but mm, mm. I, I think and, only because he, he was the perfect fit for what they were doing. 
Right, right. And, and also he was hurt a lot too, so you never saw his true value and worth because he had lots of problems with concussions and you know different time back then too. But uh, yeah. you know they've gone through the 80s and 90s and 2000s with a lot of garbage. Um, so in coming back to Mitchell Trubisky, I remember him coming out of UNC and I liked a lot of things about him. I thought he was fundamentally pretty sound, um, but knew that there was a real lack of NFL flash about him. I mean, the deep ball was something you just didn't see at UNC. Um, you're not really going to see at UNC, but you could see even in the, in the draft, um, like the combine that the deep ball was not his specialty. And by deep ball, I mean like 20 yards downfield. So, uh, and it shows, it shows for the bears, but taken at number 10 was my favorite quarterback that year, Patrick Mahomes. And at 12, a quarterback, I wasn't sold on mentally, but otherwise physically. Yes. Deshaun Watson. So history does not shine very brightly on the Chicago bears, especially since they totally could have taken Patrick Mahomes at two and sat him for a year behind Chase Daniel. I think yeah. Chase Daniel is a capable quarterback in that scenario where you're just simply getting through the year while a, a rookie quarterback gets the ropes, right? Yeah, well, sounds like a scenario we could have done here in uh, New York as well. Sure. <laughs> have, yeah. have seen some, I may just kind of like bide time and let them learn, but this is no longer a let them sit and let them learn league. This is a play them now league. So that's, you know, that's becoming more the rule than the exception. Yeah, and and Trubisky, who was hurt with a hip injury, look, I I don't know if he was officially declared, but it, it appears that he is going to start this game in place of Chase Daniel, which may actually be a blessing for the Giants. Yeah, sure. He's not at a hundred percent. His hundred percent isn't a hundred percent to begin with, and if it's less than a hundred percent, I'll take that chance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and that's kind of the big thing, you know. The Giants are are coming off of the bye now, as uh, you can tell, since we've not done a podcast in a week. And uh, <laughs> the only players in the injury report are Evan Ingram with the foot injury; he did not practice, and uh, Rhett Ellison, who is still recovering from the concussion protocol and has not practiced. So that means that Sterling Shepard was a full participant this week for the first time. All week, I think, since he got hurt, right? I, mean, I think he's I, I, he, he's I had full so. practices, but I don't think a whole week of full practices. Right, right. A full game week preparation is the first time he's had. Which brings us back to a debate that we already had at one point was, should Sterling Shepard play? I'll let you kind of start that. Well, I mean, we try to take the very, very long picture on this program. And, you know, as a rule, I would say, what's the point of him playing this year? But if he is out of the the, the um, concussion protocol and he's had a whole week of practice and he gets a, a complete sign-off, now you're thinking, does it make sense for him to play just to kind of work to help Daniel Jones in his development? Mm. So, you know, if it was one of those things, it's like they're really trying to rush in to get back and, you know, the doctors are like, yeah, I guess he can play. And he's kind of like practicing a couple days a week and getting out there, then I'd be like, no, this season's lost. Forget it. But if, you know, after the, after the bye week, he's at a full week of practice, he gets a complete sign off. Maybe it makes sense. And maybe that's something, you know, things that help Daniel Jones, because this whole point of the rest of the season 
is getting Daniel Jones up to speed and being more and more comfortable. So you can go through this off season, not with training wheels, but doing the, everything that a starting quarterback in this league does. I'm with you on this one, but, but, but hear me out. And, and I know, look, I, I really like Sterling Shepard and, you know, from a human standpoint, I don't want him to get hurt for the rest of his life where he's walking around mumbling to himself and drooling. And, uh, you know, as a, Giants fan, fan of the franchise beyond his time with the franchise. I'd like the franchise to protect themselves from their investment and not ruin their investment. Um, I would not want to see him get hurt long term, but there's a couple things at play here. Number one is why should he play? And you hit on one of the points with Daniel Jones' development. How about Sterling Shepard's development? He's still a young player who can continue to get better. And um, one of the most important things, one of the most important lessons I ever learned in life happened at uh, 18 years old. I had a car for about three months. It was not a very good car, and the brakes were not very good. And it didn't decide to work one day, and I was coming off a highway. So at 50 miles an hour, I wrapped the car around a pole. And my oldest sister told me, I know it's scary, but you need to drive as soon as possible. Borrow mom's car and drive somewhere. And she said, it's important to drive right away so you don't become afraid of driving. It's important for Sterling Shepard, if he is cleared to play, to play so he's not afraid of the big hit. And I mean, the big hit is something they're all afraid of. But I mean, the idea of the big hit, where any hit is is a problem, where you just kind of go down and you're not really a football player anymore. It's important for him to go out there and just play. Just play loose, play like himself. Um... The other thing is, and I'm I'm not a doctor, but my understanding of concussions is that they are not the same as any other injury, like a bum ankle or a hurt elbow, where more time equals more health. My understanding of concussions is that you heal or you do not. If you pass the protocol today, it's the same as passing it a year from now. You are no more healed a year from now than you are now. Mm-hmm. The brain just doesn't function like the other parts of your body that come into contact with things on a day-to-day basis because the brain does not come into contact with anything other than your skull, you know? So it, it's, it doesn't work the same way as far as I understand it. I, I think that if he were to sit the rest of this year and suffer a concussion week three next year, it's just as bad as if he were to suffer a concussion this year in terms of his long-term health. Mm-hmm. So if he can, if he, decides that he wants to continue playing, it makes no difference whether he sits or starts in terms of his health, from what I understand. I'm willing to concede that that may be wrong because I'm not a scientist by any means, but that's that's what I know. So why the fuck not? Why sit him? What do you gain? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess as long as you're out of the, out of the protocol, and, and like I said, he's been cleared 100% to play in practice, and we're not just like throwing him out there just on game day, like not one of these situations where it's, it's a bad ankle. It's like, well, he won't practice all week, but we'll, he can play during the game. This is something different, and it sounds like he's getting the, the clean you know, bill of health. So, Yeah, that's that's what it seems like to me, and we'll, we'll see. I don't think an official announcement's been made about him. They've just been talking about how he's been a full participant, right? You haven't seen anything, yet? Eh? I have not seen anything yet, no. But I've seen tons of takes, you know, and and people having their opinion one way or another whether he should play or or not. So I mean, that's our two cents right there. And you know, yeah, I'm actually surprised we were on the same page there. I thought I would be standing alone on that one. I I think that 
I was very skittish. Like I wouldn't play and wouldn't play him. But now that it sounds like he's quote unquote better, you know, all better. And now it becomes more and more of a Daniel Jones question to me. Then I think it's something that, uh, you know, I think he should play if he can. Yeah, of course. Among the other walking wounded for Chicago, (laughs) um, tight end Adam Shaheen, Middle linebacker Danny Trevathan, which is a, a big one, and uh, backup linebacker uh, Irving. Shaheen and Trevathan didn't practice. Those are two big guys for them. I mean, that's a good tight end there, and that's an excellent linebacker. And speaking of linebackers. Two, posi- two, two positions on the field that give us a lot of problems. That's also true, yeah. But, yeah. but speaking of linebacker, the, the Bears might have the best group of linebackers, starting linebackers in the NFL, right? I mean – when you look across the field and it goes Leonard Floyd, who's already a very good pass rusher, right. Roquan Smith, the best middle linebacker coming out last year, Danny Trevathan, the best middle linebacker to hit the, the free agent market last year, I believe, or the year before. I could be wrong about that. And Khalil Mack, yeah. Yeah. And Khalil Mack, the best pass rusher playing right now. I mean, is there a better group of starting linebackers? Not us. <laughs> that's no, for sure. It is not us. <laughs> no, that's that's pretty solid. And that brings me sort of to where we're where we're headed. I just a, this isn't like a full conversation because we're in week twelve. You know what I mean? This is it's November. Thanksgiving hasn't even happened yet. We're too early to really talk about really talk about the draft. But I've seen a lot of Chase Young or Andrew Thomas if given the opportunity in the draft. Now. Chase Young is probably at at this point is definitely the best pass rusher coming out in the draft. We'll see because there's a lot of time between now and then. Um, and Andrew Thomas is the clear cut best left tackle in the draft. Again, we'll see. There's a lot of time between now and the draft. I mean, Tua got hurt over the weekend. Changes everything. Um, who do you take for a team that has a bad offensive line and a pitiful defense? And I will cede that to you, my friend. To me, it's a no-brainer. I'm always going offensive line first, uh, and there's a lot of reasons why I do that. One, your biggest investment on this team is your starting quarterback. You drafted – you know, there are people's jobs on the line based on how well Daniel Jones pans out from being drafted as high as he was. And to protect him is really job number one. It's a difference between, you know, having – a really bad offense and stunting a quarterback's growth and letting him naturally develop into something that can be, you know, a legitimate starter and maybe a franchise quarterback. Um, the other reason I go offensive line over, you know, pass rusher is replacement cost. Everybody's complaining about how much it costs when we sign these guys in free agencies and like, oh, they're not playing up to their contract. Well, the reason is you have to spend a lot of money in free agency to get a left tackle a right tackle, even a guard. And to me, if you can get, you know, if you're trying to decide between a tackle and a, a defensive lineman or a, a, an elite pass rusher, it's a lot cheaper to get that offensive lineman through the draft and then have to, to buy him in free agency. It's a cheaper cost than getting an elite pass rusher. So, and you can see more pass rushers are on the trade market than offensive linemen are. So to me, it's really a no brainer. If you, we're going to be in a position, we're probably going to draft somewhere between, I don't know, 
two and five, probably the opportunity to get an elite offensive a left tackle is there. No brainer. You get him. I, I'm with you. Um, we, we've already established that the Bears might have the best group of linebackers in the league. They also have a really, really good secondary between Kyle Fuller, Prince of Mucamara, Clinton Dixon, Eddie Jackson. That's that's really good. Behind that, they also have Buster Screen and Kevin Tolliver and Dion Bush. Those are really good pieces too. So this is a great defense. In fact, it's a top 10 defense. And yet the Bears are 4-6 and six because their offense is is 30th because their quarterback isn't very good and he's certainly worse because their offensive line isn't very good. I mean, and this is an offense that has great players in skill position spots with with Tariq Cohen and Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel, you know, and and Cordero Patterson, you know, who is good enough for a play here and there. Um, I guess my point is teams like the Cowboys that have a bad quarterback, in my opinion, slightly better than Mitch Trubisky, but have a great <sighs> offensive line. Bear with me. <laughs> I'm saying if Mitch Trubisky were playing on the Cowboys, he would not be scrutinized nearly as much as he is in Chicago. I'm not saying pound for pound he's better than Dak Prescott. Um Prescott's not a very good quarterback, and I think if you put Prescott on the Bears, he gets just the same criticism as Trubisky gets. Maybe maybe a little less because he can do a little bit more with his legs. Um, but, you know, we'll never know because neither one of them has had a good offensive line or bad offensive line, respectively. But the point I'm making is teams with a subpar quarterback, we'll say that, and a great offensive line are 6-4 and four and should be playing better. They're being criticized for how bad they're playing. And the Bears that have an excellent defense and a subpar quarterback with a bad offensive line are four and six. And people are complaining that Mitch Trubisky is playing this week instead of Chase Daniel. To me, Daniel Jones has the potential to be better than both of those quarterbacks, but he'll never be if he doesn't get some fucking protection. And the way to do that is to fix the problem that I thought everybody agreed on at the beginning of the year was Nate Solder. The left tackle spot, giving him time. And this is your golden opportunity to do that. Now I look at other teams like the 2011 Giants, which had a very bad defense, but a rotation of decent pass rushers. Justin Tuck was never a dominant pass rusher. He was just good. O.C. Uminiora was criticized by Giants fans for being a one-trick pony. Speed rush, not a good bull rusher, terrible against the run. JPP was the only one who played out of his mind that year, and people argued that he only played that well because Tuck and O.C. were on the other side, because it was the outlier of the year for him statistically. That was just a good rotation of defensive linemen, of good ones, not great ones. I think you can scheme around the best pass rusher in the NFL. You can kind of gather a bunch of pieces. And I think the Giants are sort of kind of doing that, right, between between the defensive line rotation they have now and Lorenzo Carter and Marcus Golden, I think they're just kind of gathering good pass rushers. But and, the problem is they have and, no offensive line. Yeah, and, and a guy like Dexter Lawrence who can play three downs more than I think they thought originally when they first drafted him too. Well, certainly more than the fans thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, the best thing a defense can have to help them with a pass rush is a lead. When you're playing ahead by 14 points... It's really easy to pin your ears back and forget about the run, isn't it? 
It makes your job a lot easier. Well, it changes everything. It just makes you much more aggressive. You can go back and, you know, have a cushion. Exactly. But this team's never really had a lead, have they? I mean, they had a <laughs> brief lead against the Jets. But, I mean, do, oh, we, yeah. do we think that we've given this defense a fair shake of what they're capable of pass rush-wise when they're always playing from behind? Yeah. Uh, I, and I'm not making excuses. I mean, I, I will agree that if the Giants were to choose between those two, if they had the option between those two and they chose Chase Young, I will be clapping right alongside license plate guy. You know what I mean? That That's still a win. I don't think you lose between these two picks. I just think if it's me picking, I'm going to pick to protect my investment 100 times out of 100. Yeah, me too. I mean, again, I think it also goes back to the cost. And, you know, the opportunity to get a cornerstone guy at a lot cheaper market cost than what it would cost in the open market, that to me is the difference. You know, whether it's protecting your investment, you're protecting your quarterback, or having that elite pass rusher, I mean, that could be, you know, six one way, half dozen the other. But just that cost is a, there's so many needs on this team to keep, you know, having to improve on so many different things that, to tie up little assets on something that's that important, that to me is the difference maker. I agree. And um... yeah, I, 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 want to, I don't want this to get past that. Uh, the biggest thing Grump and I argue about all the time, I think, is the value of Dak Prescott. I'm not going to let it just go that, go ahead. that he thinks that he thinks he's a mediocre quarterback, and I, 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 I don't think he's Troy Aikman. I don't think he's Tony Romo, but I. Definitely do not think he's mediocre. You think he's what then? Above average? I would say he's slightly above average in this league. We, we and we've done the the ranking of the thirty uh you know spots in the league. We did it last year. Maybe when we have a, another boring week, we'll do it again. But I I just think that you know mediocre. We can identify who the mediocre quarterbacks are in this league, and I don't, I would not say he is mediocre. Look, man, some of us are born with silver spoons in our mouths and some of us are drafted with offensive lines built in front of us already. It's, mm. it's, it's kind of an unfair shake, you know, in, in the one percenter kind of viewpoint. Uh, you know, I'm sure there are tons of quarterbacks that wish they were drafted with a completed offense around them already. And uh, a lot of really good quarterbacks had their careers ruined by not having that, like David Carr, for instance. Right, but do you, which is but perfect. Do you, I I pulled that out of my ass. But let me transition this really quickly. One of my favorite videos of all time is an old retired David Carr going head to head with Dak Prescott in an accuracy challenge, where Dak Prescott missed every target and David Carr only missed one time. And that's a quarterback that failed in the NFL because he was drafted by the Houston Texans. Uh, I think when they began as a franchise. And they neglected the offensive line entirely, and it derailed his career entirely. Right. Yeah, but we all know, though, that Dak Prescott's game is not just having pinpoint accuracy. Well, we know it's certainly, if it is, he, he's definitely not it, a good quarterback. It's ability to use his legs smartly as well. That gives him more value than just him as a drop-back quarterback. But Absolutely. Yep. My, my thing, though, is that, yes, he inherited a great offensive line and, and all this and that, but... He is not a hindrance to why this offense shouldn't be better. That's my argument. If you, what if is you, then? What is what is the problem with the Dallas offense then? <laughs> Jason Garrett. Okay. Possibly. 
<laughs> I mean, I mean that's been- literally the only other thing you could say that I would say okay yeah. to because I mean they've got a capable tight end, three very good wide receivers, uh, you know, top three running back in the NFL, and the best or second best offensive line in the NFL. So there's not much more a quarterback can ask for. We've been saying it for years that you know if you have a Ferrari, you shouldn't have an Uber driver driving it, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what the Dallas Cowboys are, and. They've had great defensive coordinators in the past. They've had the Wade Phillips and all these guys. This guy is not a good coach. And it's, you know, I, I, I think that's the bigger hindrance to this offense more than, than Dak would be. Now, are they going to overspend for Dak Prescott when he hits, you know, free agency? Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so 100%. His brand name is, you know, he has more value of it as a Dallas quarterback the way I think, and here comes all the hate mail, Derek Jeter has more of a value because he's a Yankee than what his actual, you know, what he did on the field. I think that's accurate, though. Derek, Derek Jeter is a Hall of Famer. Derek Jeter is not someone who people are saying is a unanimous pick for the Hall of Fame. That's only because he was a Yankee. And I think that's the same thing with Dak Prescott is that, you know, he's going to get 30 million, 40 million, whatever he gets paid because he's the Cowboy quarterback. That's. That's stupidity on the Cowboys' part, and that's just his brand, but that also doesn't mean he's mediocre. Well, that's not why I think he's mediocre. He's mediocre because I think he's mediocre. I think if you put (laughs) him behind a a bad offensive line, if he were drafted by a team that didn't already have a good offensive line, he would have played poorly enough where he would never see the field again, in my opinion. Because if you think at the time that Tony Romo was there, Tony Romo came back from injury and continued to sit because Dak Prescott was playing well and because Romo's injury history and blah, 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 blah. If that if, if Prescott were playing behind a bad offensive line, I think Tony Romo would have came back in, continued to play, and they would have just probably drafted another quarterback the next well, year. Well, I guess I could also say the same thing would happen in New England too with Tom Brady. Of course, but the yeah. difference is that Tom Brady is a good quarterback. Right, He's not always knew- had a great offensive line in front of him. Well, I mean, he, he came in a year when they, when they won the Super Bowl. And, you know, they had a good offensive line back then, too. He just had the opportunity, and he made the most of his opportunity. But if, if, you know, if if Bledsoe The difference is that Tom Brady won a Super Bowl. Dak Prescott didn't even make the playoffs his first year. That's true. But he also had Bill Belichick as opposed to Jason Garrett. Okay. (laughs) You you can't get more polar opposites in coaching than those two. That's fair. All right. Mm -hmm. But enough of the Just Cowboys podcast. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, um, fuck them. In terms of the Chase Young and Andrew Thomas debate, here we have Leonard Floyd and uh, Khalil Mack, and it looks like they're going to be going against Nate Solders, Nate Solder and Mike Remmers, and that's kind of one of the things that's going to be a key to this game, right? I mean, how well the Giants are able to scheme around that mismatch mm-hmm. and how well those two guys are able to hold up against them is going to be exactly what we're going to see on the field. Is this game going to be 45 to 3 or is this game going to be 27? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> is it going wow. to be capable of being watched or is this something where we're going to leave at halftime? I think it's going to be whatever team gets a better pass rush, consistent pass rush because I think if we can, you know, continue to kind of show little green shoots of a pass rush against Tabriski we can cause a lot of problems for him as well. So, you know, both quarterbacks have issues with uh, feeling pressure in the pocket, fumbles, 
those type of things. And I think whatever team can cause more on the other side, that will be the difference in these two. Yeah, I think you're right. The other thing is I'm interested to see now that Sam Beal has been activated. He got a little bit of playing time uh, two weeks ago, last game, um, in, in, in place for Janoris Jenkins who suffered a concussion. Um, if he gets cycled in, I'm not really sure what's going to happen with that. Um, I think that Jenkins has the skill set of the three of them between DeAndre Baker, Janoris Jenkins, and Sam Beal to play the nickel spot or the slot spot, I guess. Um, I don't think that Beal or Baker do. Uh, so I, it'll be interesting to see if that becomes the nickel rotation, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, this might be the game to see it because of the amount of weapons that the Bears have on offense between, you know, your, your Taylor Gabriel and Allen Robinson and Cordero Patterson and Riley Ridley and Anthony Miller and even out of the backfield if you want to talk about uh, Tariq Cohen because he is such a good receiving running back. Uh We'll see. I mean, also, the other thing is is Julian Love. You know, a lot of people have been clamoring about him getting some playing time. Uh, it seems that a report came out that he's getting close to seeing the field. I'm okay with them taking their time with him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Especially since they're trying to transition him from corner in college to free safety in the NFL. It's a different spot. You're talking it's about different. a rookie at a different speed. Everything's different. Yeah, I mean, people think it's really easy, and like, I, I love that argument. You mentioned Tim Tebow before. The well, why not just make him a a, a tight end or a fullback? It's like you're going from one position which you played your entire career to learn something completely new, and then jump from the college level to the NFL level. You're asking, you know, I, something where he's never blocked before or never caught before. It's the same thing with this. You, you're trying to learn on the fly against the best players in the world. It's not as easy as just waving a magic wand and saying, you're now a free safety. So it's going to take time. And again, in this kind of lost season, there's no reason to rush things to get him on the field. Do it, you know, Monday through Friday. Let him keep, you know, getting that, the reps in practice and working with his position coaches. And then when he's ready, he'll be out there. We're not going from two and eight to six and eight, whether how fast he's a free safety or not. Exactly. Um, I mean, let's get down to brass tacks. What's our prediction here? There's nothing this team shows me right now that tells me they can win. You know, this would be one of those games if we had seen some progression over the last several weeks and say, you know something, this is a good measuring stick. Going on the road against a similarly eh team, you know, where's Daniel Jones at and everything, I would say, I would expect to kind of be, you know, I I would call for a a penciled-in win, but... This team has not shown that progression yet, and for whatever reason, and going in and Grump, what is the weather condition supposed to be for Sunday? Well, I can tell you what it's not going to be, and it's not going to be whatever you're experiencing in Jake Jamaica right now. Oh. <laughs> okay, so let's let's assume it's typical Chicago late November. I don't know if you've ever been to Soldier Field before, Grump, but it is cold, windy, and raw. So that's not going to help things either. So I'm going to put this as a low-scoring, ugly loss. But I think we see little things improving slowly but surely. People are going to be pissed. They're going to want to fire the coach and the GM and you know bench everybody and fire everybody. But I think you're going to see 
little things of improvement, but this team is just not ready to win yet. And I, I think we lose something like 1910. The weather is supposed to be 45 degrees, but with 15 mile an hour winds. Okay, so, so uh, gross. Yeah, awful. Um, I think this team loses. I think that they put up a little bit more of a fight because they've had the bye week to kind of recuperate, get a little rest. Chicago, on the other hand, has had the exact opposite. Um, and I think that this game is close for a little bit. I think it's one of those games, kind of like the Patriots game, where we're like, holy shit, are we going to do this? And then then the game breaks open. And I think this one goes <laughs> something like 27-17. I think we actually start putting up points early in this game. Um, just Just to string us along a little bit. But you bring up a really good point, and that is the Giants fan base asking to fire the whole world. And that seems to be something that we've seen. You know, I expect that from the uh... – Oh, I, I, I feel a segue coming on. <laughs> I, I expect that from the Joe678421 on Twitter. You know what I mean? The average guy who goes to work – Watches the game when he remembers the time that it's on and the network. Listen to mowing Francesa. the lawn. Yeah. yeah, and then all week talks to his buddies at work and listens to Francesa in his office. I expect that from them. You know what I mean? I, I get it. Um, but what I don't expect it from are people who try to do what we do, or or even do what we do and do way better. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what I've been seeing. <laughs> sure, but I mean, I, I the people who put the effort into to Watching the games and breaking down the all twenty-two film and all that kind of thing, you know, you invest a lot of time in this. The Giants are not firing the whole staff again. Two years removed from firing the whole staff, unless something catastrophic happens. I mean, like a scandal or yeah, you know, yeah. A complete derailment of the locker room. Yeah, I mean, our our boy, the real Frank the Tank, who we love out there, you know, he said something about, hey, you guys would be a lot more popular if you, popular if you just went negative all the time, you know, and complain about this and that. I, I think there's a real distinction between being negative and being critical. And to us, you know, to me, I don't know about – I think Grump is kind of on the same page as me. It's just like – just saying, fire everybody, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, that's negative. And it's like, yes, this does suck, but there's no reason to say that because we already know that. I think the realistic expectation, and this is something that, you know, Gettleman, Shermer, Mara, none of these guys will ever say in public. They'll never say it at the Fan Fest in July. They'll never say it. You know, in a press conference, I'll never say these things, but I have a feeling this is kind of where they expected they, they, where they would be this year. So to think that, you know, they're being fired on performance just based on wins and losses is not happening. They do not want to become that organization that just fires coaches every 25 games because they're losing. You know, I this coaching staff is going to be graded on how is this team developing? Gettleman is going to be graded on his drafting, his free agent signings, his trades, his you know uh, free agent pickups after you know cut down day. Are they making a difference in building this team? So 
yeah, we could be negative and just complain and bitch all the time. But deep down, I'm not ready to fire anybody because I don't think anybody on this staff is ready to be fired. That includes Fetcher. That includes a coach who I head coach who I don't really like. I don't think he's that great of a coach. He will not be the coach of this team when this team is ready to make a serious playoff run. But they're not firing these guys now. So there's no point in advocating for something that's not happening just yet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, you know, one of the things that I've seen is I hope the Giants lose so there's a better chance of Pat Shermer being fired. Why the hell would you want that? I mean, that doesn't that doesn't help anything. That's just starting from square one again. And no, it's not that bad that we need to start from square one again. Look, it's really easy. I spend, let's see, probably about an hour and ten minutes a day round trip in traffic, right? Going to work and coming home. And I could spend about five minutes of one trip sitting at a red light Recording a video of myself saying, fuck Dave Gettleman, fuck Pat Shermer, and and get tons of clicks for it, right? But I'm not in the business of clicks. In fact, most of you aren't in the business of the media writing things just for clicks. So I don't know why you embrace that sort of behavior by liking things that are just blind hate. But- well, I think I think, I think think the uh, listeners of the show and for all the ones we've interacted with and we love all you guys are not that people. This is a very, you know, we're not very smart hosts, but you are very, very smart listeners. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're, we're dummies and you guys can recognize uh, the dumber dummies. Um, (laughs) So I I don't think we're really, you know, we're not really preaching to the choir about people who love, you know, to click on the obvious, you know, Pat Shermer's in the obvious hot seat or, you know, do they blow it up? It's like, no. So. We don't have to worry about that. We're talking with you guys. I don't know. But basically the thing is that you and I didn't start this because we wanted to get tons and tons of clicks to the point where we started this because we were having conversations that weren't happening on Twitter, right? I mean that's pretty much what started this. And Basically, basically, yeah, this show is basically an extension of our text messaging – during games and after games, you know, we're going to probably start as we get closer to the end of the season. Our, our infamous, okay, top five positions we need to draft, which Grump loves to do, you know, what do we need? And I always respond with, let's see what happens after free agency, but that's coming soon. And all that is, is just us texting back and forth each other. And that's how this kind of went off. It also saves our wives and girlfriends from having us hear us rant and rave every Sunday night. So yeah, the reason. Yeah. But but the, but the thing is is that if much as we ask very nicely for a sponsor to listen to us and see see some hope in this show and send a little <laughs> money this way, we didn't start this to make money. That was never that was never the thing. And so I'm not in the business of bastardizing what we would if we were to change this show into something to just try and make it money. What would happen is behind the scenes, unbeknownst to you, would be us going back to our texting. And now we're spending double the time between having our real conversation and then our show conversation well, while having all, the, other real jobs. I mean, what the well, fuck? Of, why? No, 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 no. It's very simple. You would hear a very insincere show. You would hear people who don't believe what they're saying. Well, there's that. And, and believe me, guys, as soon as there's going to become a point in whether it's next year or the year after where I am going to snap and I'm going to say, 
I have enough evidence to tell me it is time to get rid of Pat Shermer. I don't like him to begin with, and it's just not the right time to make a move. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't help anything. But believe me, that day is going to come when I'm going to say, you know something? I've had enough. The, the, the talent level has increased on this team where I should expect more out of my head coach, and I'm not getting it. Then you're going to hear, not negative, cranky fan, you're going to hear cranky fan with a capital C, demanding change. But just to whine and bitch, I mean, we've said this on the show before, we are in a rebuild, and it's very painful to go through in real life. It sucks losing every week. It sucks being in a relevant football team. There's a game on right now. I'm looking out the win- my window on my TV, and... Yeah, you know, it's on, but since it has absolutely no bearing on us and, you know, this help our, our playoff situation or this or that, or it's just like it doesn't make football fun. When you get better, all of a sudden everything is impacted. So we are living through the toughest time to be a fan when your teams are relevant and you are rebuilding. That doesn't mean you scorch the earth every week or just repeating every week. This team sucks. This coach sucks. Fire this guy. You know, get rid of him. Do this. Fire him. Shoot him in the face. We're not there. That's not. That's not. First of all, be boring. That's just not what we believe. But trust me, we are not going to. We are not employed by the Giants. We are not sunshine pumpers for the Giants. We are realists, and as soon as we sense that this is starting to go off the rails legitimately off the rails, not rebuilding, losing that sucks off the rails. You're going to hear the wrath and it won't be pretty. Man, I would love to add to that, but I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> but what I will say is I'm pretty sure sunshine pumpers are only legal in Amsterdam. So. <laughs> just, I just want to clarify to any potential sponsors that we are not sunshine pumpers. By any means, we would never cross the line of the law. Um, anyway, that's you know, if, if you ask the question, why are we, why are we not negative? That's the answer. That's why we're not negative. It would be, yeah. it would be not genuine to be negative at this time. I mean, it's pretty ironic that we have names as the cranky fan and the football grump, and we are trying to be as positive as we can and real as we can. It's, but, it's funny, isn't it? How it how it almost became ironic that we were like the ones talking people off the ledge. I thought we were going to have people telling us to chill out. <laughs> and I, I can't believe how quickly I went from laying on the couch to sitting taking notes, doing yeah. psychotherapy for fans. Well, I mean, it's just it is what it is with this team right now, and you can't hurry it. It just you have to live through it, and it blows living through it. And I get it that it it's been a decade. But really, this has not been a decade of a rebuild. We've had seven to eight years of decline. The rebuild is really only in its second year. And if you don't think this team is getting – I mean you have to look beyond wins and losses to say, is this team getting better or not? And you know, that's, that's the eye of the beholder. You know, some people may say, you know, this team isn't getting better. You know, and some people say this team is getting better. So it's just going to take time to make those assumptions. But there will be no – you know, rash firings of, you know, a head coach. You're gonna you're gonna see some tweaks after this offseason for sure. You might see. Pat I would Sherman. hope so. Yeah, I would be. I would actually say a negative podcast would be coming if if no coaching level changes are made at all. Yeah. Then, and at that point, I think then we start wondering what the fuck has happened to uh, Tamara. 
to allow this to keep going on like that. Because then at some point, you know, the shit flows upstream. You have to start dealing with the top. Sort of like all you Nick fans out there, the same things you, we do about James Dolan. It's like something stinks, but we're, we're not there yet. Let's see what happens this offseason. Let's see if Pat Shermer is no longer playing, uh, calling plays. Let's see if James Betcher is still the defensive coordinator. Let's see if there is a, you know, any uh, position coaches make changes. And these are, you know, these are naturally evolving things as well, too. But we'll see, you know, based on management's assessment of the players and the coaching staff, what changes will be made. I'm expecting things to happen. They're not getting a complete repass because it's a, a rebuild. No, I don't think so. No. Well, in any case, that's uh, that's the episode. We're glad to be back. I mean, it, yeah. Cranky fans kind of lounging right now, but I'm glad to be back. Well, you know, if you if you could see the view, I'm, in fact, you know something. I'll take a picture right now of my feet up against the uh, the balcony with the sandals thing in the background here. We'll have this is um when we post the show tomorrow morning. You'll see where I'm at. So, boy, I wish you could I, hear me shaking my head right now. <laughs> uh, can you hear the waves actually going? Cascading up against the beach, crump. It's, it's very relaxing. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you guys have been so great reaching out to us on Twitter. Even on this this week, we've had off um, from doing the podcast, not from doing work or anything like that. But uh, for those of you who don't follow me on Twitter, I'm at football underscore grump, and I am active even when we're not doing the podcast. So you can follow me on there. And the show itself is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Just about anywhere where there's podcasts is our show, and it is also on Twitter at Just Giants Pod. Catch me as always at the Cranky Fan. I am getting more and more back to being active. I've been fighting with annoying chowds who think they're extra special because they're chowds. That's been my big fight today. Uh, I'm talking uh, Gator football, Gator basketball as we get ready for Florida State next week. The bloodletting, which I can't wait for talking obviously giants football we're talking you know we're talking Knicks basketball where you know if we want to have a therapy session just hit me up at the cranky fan and uh i'm here for you brothers <laughs> all right everyone we'll see you on sunday go giants go giants